Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we are here with Glenn Poulos. Glenn is the author of Never Sit in the Lobby. He's also the co-founder, vice president, and general manager of Gap Wireless, Inc., a leading product and service distributor for the mobile broadband and wireless markets. With over three decades of experience in sales, he has spent thousands of hours in the field or on the phone with customers and working with salespeople to help create several very successful companies. This episode is all going to be about sales and lead generation, so let's get right into it. One. Glenn, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. So uh, you are a sales guy, let's put it this way. Like I'm very excited to have you on the show because this is one of the biggest uh, you know, hurdles that uh, remote CEOs really fa- face when they're building up a business. So I wanted to ask you first off, can you tell us a bit about your background and uh, how did you get into this career path and uh, how did you become an entrepreneur? Sure, no problem. So, um, you know, I'm a more senior. I, I often remember <clears throat> when I used to be the youngest in the room, and now I'm the oldest in the room. And uh, but you still feel the youngest, which is kind of strange. But uh, we all get there one day, right? Um, but back in the '80s, um, I uh, I graduated college and I got a job with the federal government in a, in an electronics uh, department of the Department of the Environment in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you're not the National Weather Service in the U.S., same same sort of deal. And I worked there for a few years and uh, my boss pulled me aside and told me, uh, Job, dude, you should probably go into sales. And I don't really know why he said that. I mean, clearly he saw something and um, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't bemoan the fact. And I, uh, I applied for a sales job and uh, got a job. The first uh, first company I had found, ultimately, I harassed them so much um, that they thought they better hire me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd stop, so I'd stop calling them to follow up. And, um, the, uh, they hired me, I worked for them for uh, about five years. And then I left to start my own, uh, business in, uh, 1991 doing yeah. a similar job, similar thing that I was doing for that company, but very specialized in, um, in the wireless field. And, uh, I was trying to do it with them, but they said, no, it wouldn't work. And, uh, you know, and they, you know, they thought that, uh, trying to do something focused on the cell phone was, uh, a fool's game, you know, sort of like, oh, that'll never work. And, uh, you know, the cell phone's not going to be that popular. Right. And, um, so 1991, I, uh, I took, I, I just, uh, I disagreed with them. And so I jumped out on my own and um, had, I had a company and um, ran that company for about 15 years. 
at around the 13 year mark, we had, uh, we had been acquired through a reverse takeover by a public company. Mm-hmm. And, um, I sold all my shares. I was the minority shareholder or sorry, the majority shareholder. And, uh, um, and the, this is where the story gets a, a little awry, but, uh, um, the, the company that bought us had a lot of other entities that they'd acquired in the past. And they really were looking for companies to sort of, uh, scuttle and, you know, as sources of cash to pay for other mistakes. Right. And ultimately our division, our company ended up getting, going into receivership after about 18 months mm-hmm. and we all lost our jobs. And I, uh, and the, ultimately the shares of that company that I had taken for my business ended up becoming worthless. And uh, so I went from a millionaire to a penniless or whatever, and had to start over again. And, um, and so I restarted the company, a different company, but the same sort of idea mm-hmm. in 2007. And um, 15 years later, which is 2002 in February, uh, we were actually acquired by a very reputable and uh, financially strong private equity firm in the US called Grain Management. Mm-hmm. And I've agreed to stay on as the, uh, you know, one of the managing uh, partners in Canada for three to five years, you know, and um, oh. while well, they acquire other businesses. So uh, yeah, so I no longer own the business, but uh, I own a portion of the of the bigger company and a much smaller portion, of course. And yeah. I'm now running the company day to day. Very, very interesting. And um, I mean, you wrote a book about sales and I, I wanted to talk about this right now because in the history of like your business and what you've done, it seems that uh, being able to really like promote your your brand and your product has been extremely important for you. So uh, can you tell us and can you tell our listeners at home, they are right now about to, you know, scale their business, hire their staff members, how important it is that they master sales and their products and how to sell their products and services before they build a team? Well, I mean, we're all, we all, we all have to sell every day, right. To our friends and family and spouses and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coworkers and employers and, and, and our customers, uh, you know, if we're selling products, right. And so many companies, I mean, that's what they do. They provide products, services, and what have you. So sales is of course, vital to everybody. And, my, um, the book that I created called, uh, never sit in the lobby, mm-hmm. um, is about, you know, all of the tips and uh, techniques that I had learned, you know, uh, going from a government worker to a salesperson, uh, to a business owner and an employer and manager of salespeople, um, you know, and, uh, you know, the subtitle is, you know, uh, 57 factors for building a career, building a business and a career selling, right? And, um, and so it's loaded with tips. And um, what you'll find, though, is that, you you know, as you go through a lot of the tips, uh, which I call factors in the book, um, eventually, you know, it starts to become far more just how to be a better person, how to be a better, um, you know, business person, just a better human being and how to, as I like to say, one of my big mantras is being a pleasure to do business with. Yeah. And that that's the core tenant behind the, the company uh, Gap Wireless that I built and sold um, just recently. Mm-hmm. And so the book is, you know, all about these little there. And a lot of them are so small. And I mean, people would say, you know, some of them might seem obvious or what have you. But but most of these rules people don't follow on any sort of a consistent basis. And, um, you know, and we're actually going through an experience 
kind of explosive might be a bit overstating it, but, you know, pretty uh, dynamic growth right now. And we're adding salespeople and stuff. And I'm, of course, sharing my book with them. And, um, you know, I see them, uh, you know, strategizing and using these techniques in, in you know, in real time on a day-to-day daily basis right now. And it's really, uh, of course, super rewarding to see it. And, um, you know, and uh, vindicating me that, you know, it's working for other people, right? So uh, that part's really cool. Absolutely. And so if you were to give us a couple of tips and, you know, talking about what you've written, what you wrote in the book, someone that has been shying away from, uh, from sales, just because either because they've heard in the past, you know, from friends and family members and like, uh, that, that, you know, that, that it's something that uh, is not a good fit for them or something. But now they find themselves having to, to face their fear. So how can they get over those first, you know, fears of uh, having to, to hear people tell them no over and over again? So can, can you tell uh, us, how can people yeah. get over those fears? Sure. Um, the first thing is the I'm gonna I'm gonna do gonna answer your question, and but I'm just gonna jump to a little one one uh, nugget from a chapter a little bit later, and then just quickly pop okay. back. So there's a chapter in the book called "My Mentor Made Me Do It," and it shows uh, a real world example of how I took a, a person that was working in the warehouse okay. uh, at a company at one of the companies and was basically driving tow motors and, you know, forklifts and mm-hmm. uh, basically a basic warehouse worker, no high school uh, uh, diploma and no college uh, degree or diploma of any, of any kind. And, th- and this is not the first time I did it, which is why I, tr- uh, I had helped this person through this mentoring. Um, I sh- I've proven it with other people in the past, but basically through a series of coaching and encouragement, Um, you know, first of all, I saw that the person, despite not having finished high school for different reasons, was still a bright person and was capable of learning. And they had a a keen aptitude on the things that interested them, like cars and stereos and, Mm -hmm. you know, the technology, gaming and whatever. And I could see that they were a really quick study and, um, and that they would learn. And so I just presented a bunch of challenges to them about, you know, about learning. I, I explained my chapter on greed-based learning again, which we can talk about if there's time and I encouraged him to on how, and he decided he wanted to sell cars. And um, I, you know, he, and he went out and he talked to uh, the owner managers of 10 dealerships in his, uh, in the town that he lived in. And, he, and on the first day he got three job offers, three or four job offers. Uh-huh. And he ended up getting a job the first day and he ran that, did that career for a while. And then he got recruited into uh, selling high technology um uh, products like, um, software as a service type company. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's just killing it. Right. And a couple of, couple of years ago, he was, um, driving a tow motor. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. he's of course tripled his income and he's loving it. And so it's, anyone can do it, right. Anyone mm-hmm. can do it regardless of their education, as long as they have an aptitude and a willingness to learn. And, and, and so, um, <clears throat> so the, the, you know, I, um, you know, the, the hearing of the no is kind of like one of the biggest things that people worry about, but it's, you know, when you, when you break it down, I mean, not, first of all, not everyone is going to say yes. Right. Most people think of the hearing of no, uh, like the door to door salesman. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my book's not really for door to door salespeople banging, you know, selling 
encyclopedias or vacuum cleaners, right? Um, it's uh, and that can be daunting, but the people that are successful and make a long-term career out of it, they're every time someone says no, they say thank you because they they realize they're just getting that much closer to the yes, right? Because they know through the mathematics of probability that their company runs on that if they hire X number of salespeople every 10 or maybe it's 20 um, <clears throat> uh, prospects that they talk to, one will say yes. So it, it's not about getting to the one yes. It's about getting through the 10 or the nine or the 19 no's yeah. um, in, a, in a productive and simple manner, not letting it get you down until you get to the yes and then do it again, right? And so, um, you know, a lot of times in that world, you know, people are just not in the market. They're not, you know, you're, you're distracting them. They weren't, they weren't prepared for you. So there are going to be rejections. But, you know, in my book, at the very beginning, it's sort of, there's just a barrage of rules that I follow. And of course, the title of the book is called Never Sit in the Lobby, right? And yeah. a few people have said to me, well, what do you mean? Should I wait in the car? And I'm like... <laughs> No, no, dude, I'm like, you don't wait in the car. You can wait in the car until about 10 minutes, 10, five to 10 minutes before your, the appointed time, but then go to the lobby and don't sit down. Right. And, um, and basically, you know, ask, introduce yourself, tell them why you're here, who you're there to see. And then when they say, uh, you know, that they're, they're calling the person, you know, wait, don't, don't be fumbling around with your phone. Don't be looking at literature. Don't be looking at plaques on the wall, stand there, wait, and just be in the moment and, and um, be ready to greet the customer. And one of the other rules I equip these, these people with, and all of our people use this and I love hearing it, it's called always show up with something in your hand and something in your mind. And right. so even the, even the most juniors of person that's worried about, you know, like you're saying, where you're sort of capturing the, 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 the nervousness uh, factor yeah. in terms of hearing no, when really it's just, they're just nervous, right? It's not about hearing yeah. no, because there might be nothing to, for them to say no about on that, on that visit, right? So it's just about what do I do? What do I say? So that's why I say always show up with something in your hand and something in your mind. And so... I mean, of course, I'm from Toronto, right? So, um, you know, in Canada, we have Tim Hortons donuts, similar to your Dunkin' Donuts in the U.S. Oh, and, we're from uh, Toronto too, so. It's oh, are you? Oh, okay. Sorry. So, yeah. Well, that's and, okay. uh, yeah. So, it, everybody loves Tim Hortons donuts, right? Sure. So, as long as it's not too late in the morning, uh, I always say show up with some donuts. Um you know, bring, uh, or, you know, if you've already brought them a bunch of donuts, then you're coming back to maybe deliver a quote. You have the quote in your hand, or maybe, you know, your company has a promotion on maybe a water bottle or, you know, a, a yep. notebook pad or something, and always have something in your hand that you can give them and show them. And then something in your mind that you want to talk to them about. And yep. then even if they're only give you a few minutes in the lobby, you can say, Hey, I'm here to here to drop off the quote that you asked for. And, uh, you know, I know you're busy, but hey, can you just have a quick look at it and get, I just want to get your first impression. And, you know, then the person reacts in one way or another, and maybe, you know, maybe they get that no, right? Like, no, I'm not, I can't go ahead with it right now. Da, 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 da. That, then you can say, okay, great. You know, I'm going to be back in the building next week on Thursday, you know, could yep. I get 15 minutes to go over this with you or whatever the appropriate day or week, uh, you know, and then right on that spot, you've, you've closed them on the next visit. Now you don't have to worry about getting them on the phone later where they send you to voicemail. You've already locked it down and you have a reason to visit other customers in that building, um, you know, on the same day or the same week or customers in the area. Right. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah. 
So I want to talk about grid-based learning then because sure. thing that you know I see here, how to quickly master your product's features that matter most. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. And um, the and and I mean and and once once I explain it, it also becomes very obvious to people uh, yeah. what it means and how it works. But it does work, and it really does. So when I started in sales, the company was representing the company I worked for was selling products from about forty companies from around the world. And let's say you know each company had five or ten products, none of which I knew which one was the good ones or the bad ones. But I mean, you know, forty times ten is four hundred products. How in the world does a kid, you know, uh, you know, fresh out of a government job, learn 400 products and what they do and how they work and what have you, right? Yeah. And so, what I ended up learning, and I mean, the easiest way to understand GBL is first I'll give you an analogy, and yeah. um, the analogy is, you know, every three or four years in Canada, you know, uh, people uh, have the lucky sort of thing, you know, if they're lucky where they get a new car. Right. And, uh, you know, especially business people, you know, they're either maybe leasing cars or converting them, but every three or four years, they're sort of trading their car and getting a new one. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, for the most part, for most people, that's an exciting day when you get a new car. Right. And I'm not a car person, but I can tell you for the three or four weeks, as I'm planning on getting my new car every four years, I become a car expert, right? I can tell you, you know, whether I'm looking at Ford GM or Chrysler or, you know, Lexus, Infinity and Acura, it doesn't really matter what level, what grade. I'm an expert at the cars in my range of, of price of spending, right? I know all about the tire size, the rims, the brakes, the shocks, the, you know, the, the, the exhaust, the motor size, the torque. And honestly, for the rest of those four years, I completely forget that information and I don't remember any of it. Right. Yeah. But if my wife had asked me, you know, why do you want this, you know, Chevy Impala versus the such and such, I could tell her like 27 facts right off my tongue without even thinking. Right. And the reason why is because the little greedy little side of me, you know, in this case, I call it the good greed, right. You know, is just, just clamoring for this car and it becomes effortless to learn what's important about that vehicle. It'd be no different if you guys are going out and you're buying, you know, a 75 inch TV, you know, or anything else you're going to become, or maybe a swimming pool or something, some large purchase for that moment in time, you become an expert at all things about that particular product. So the way I was able to, what I discovered was that it was almost impossible for me to remember these products, just sitting in a room, trying to learn them in the beginning. But what I realized was, was when I found a customer that had a vague interest in the product and like we sell instruments measuring back then we sold measuring instruments like that electrical engineers used. And one of the, one of the products is, was an oscilloscope, right? So I would know that ABC electronics wanted to buy some oscilloscopes. And so this was my first chance. So now that I realized that, Hey, these things sell for $4,000 each and they might need up to four or five of them. Like, wait a minute, that's $20,000. And in my mind, I'm figuring out what my commission is. Yeah. And all of a sudden, just by virtue of the fact that someone wants to buy these things, your ability to absorb and retain those facts becomes almost effortless. Yeah. And I was able to, I, then I learned a trick that I would call the manufacturer and I'd say, look, I'm going to see these guys about oscilloscopes. I haven't presented these products before. What are the top five things that anyone needs yeah. to know about these in order to not sound like an idiot? Yeah. And if I if it gets beyond that, I'll call you from the I'll call you from the customer site, right? Yeah. And so 
I was able, and there's a good story in the book about how I, uh, how I learned this GBL on the fly with vendors when they were coming to town. And, and that's the way I learned, you know, and so I like to say, you know, that I'm just technical enough to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and a lot of people think, oh, you're so technical, but that all I really have done is taken, you know, sort of a career of, of skimming across the top of all these different technologies that we sell mm -hmm. and learning the top five things that people care about on the, each one of those. And so that I can, I can name drop one of them, you know, at the appropriate moment and, uh, and, and show, you know, competence and skill, but I'm not the application engineer. I'm not the product specialist. I'm there to like, figure out what the buying cycle is, where's the money, who signs it off, and do they have a real need, coordinate the demos and do all that, right? And I'm able to do that quite easily. And, um, you know, and so that's, that's how I do it. And that's how others that I've, that I've trained to do it as well. So just don't even worry about the products until you've got an active opportunities for them. And then allow yourself to naturally sort of learn yeah. Uh, learn how to learn them, um, knowing, knowing what, it, what's in it for you. What's in it for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest message uh, you hear about what you're saying is, you know, what's in it for the person that's about to buy the product. I mean, you could, yeah. you know, regurgitate like five or six pages worth of specs uh, that these people don't even know. They don't even know what, they, what they mean, but exactly. Uh, if, if within hidden within those specs, there is actually, you know, you're saving them half the time compared to, you know, other products, or uh, they're going to spend less money for, you know, fixing them down the road. I don't know, whatever that is. Uh, th those are the, that's the data that definitely is going to, to sell. Exactly. Uh, another thing that this reminds me of is uh, how to win the sport of business, the, the book by Mark Cuban, that he talks about how he scaled uh, his, his, his company. And he said, hey, guys, like I was just reading the manual. <laughs> I was <laughs> one of the only people in the store yeah. that actually, that, you know, grabbed the manual and read it and yes. told people about it. And uh, people thought he was this genius when... <clears throat> all he did was just you know be knowledgeable of the product and, and i yeah. think that's the most important thing um so i wanted to know um when it comes to putting together a sales team um should you bring in salespeople as soon as you can or should you be the one selling uh, up to the point where maybe you you don't have even have time anymore to do it uh, so what approach would you, would you say is the best? Yeah. So, you know, and I, I don't have a ready-made and uh, you know, sort of metaphor or analogy worked up for you, but it was like, you know, would you want a part-time surgeon working on you or a guy who was like building a doctor's office and, and the, uh, on the side, he also did heart transplants. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the idea is that of course, money uh, of course, trumps everything in terms of when you're in a startup mode, but if, and if you are, you're going to be selling or part of the sales cycle probably early on, but the faster you can get an account manager in front of you, the yeah. better. And, and the reason why is because they are focused, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week um, on closing business and finding new opportunities. And you can be brought in as the either owner, subject matter expert, you know, uh, guru or the big guy, you know, and, um, you know, and to help close deals. And you might be there, you know, arm in arm with this person as, uh, you know, on every deal in the early days, but soon enough, they'll pick up the, what's needed. And the reality is, you know, the company we started 
15 years ago that I work for now, myself and uh, a couple of my early, early staff that work with me, mm-hmm. we still have customers that we haven't been able to shed because the customer won't allow it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 I always deal with Glenn. I'm going to deal with Glenn. And I'm like, well, Glenn's actually just, you know, the general manager now and he runs the whole operation. He doesn't make sales calls. No, got to deal with Glenn. And so you're training the customers how to treat you, right? And so, you know, if you're going to be the one making all those calls, it's going to be hard for you to pass that on to someone because that customer is going to feel like they've been pushed down, right? To an underling. And, um, and that's why I find that it's best to staff and, and support sales early on. And, you know, and, you know, right now, although there's these questions in the economy, you know, about the interest rates and in Canada, I guess the interest rates are going up again, I think, is it today or Wednesday or and uh, another 75 to 100 basis points. I mean, so everybody's worried about the economy. We're doubling down on our salespeople and investing in even more of them. And um, because now I feel is the time to um, that one um we have a better shot as an employer of attracting good salespeople. There's not as much, uh, there may not be as much jumping around and people uh, are more willing to accept a job when, as it's presented. And, and two, we need to find every opportunity out there right now uh, to make sure that we're getting our fair shake at all the business. And so I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, if you're building a business that your job as the CEO is to be the leader. And I talk about this in the book. Like if you're the leader, your job is to lead. And so that means, you know, you have to take charge and you need to make decisions and not everyone's going to agree with your decisions and not all your decisions will be correct over time. Um, But the, the problem that you'll see as you realize when you separate yourselves as being a CEO versus just a regular person is the ability to make and deploy decisions. And, you know, for someone that does it all the time and every day, like they kind of do it second nature and, but but people are very shocked, um, you know, at the, uh, at your ability to do it. It's like, you know, I never would have made that decision or how'd you figure out how to, you know, and, and the reality is just that, um, you know, that's your job and you need to learn how to do it. If you want to be lead the troops into battle, or you want to lead the company to success. And your question was, should I hire a salesperson? I would hire a salesperson as fast as humanly possible yeah. and and be, and make sure that salespeople are the last person to ever get laid off in, yeah, in a downturn. Perfect, Glenn. So it was great chatting with you. And I'm sure that our listeners will want to know more about your book and, and your teachings about sales. So where can people find you online? So the easiest way would be just to go to my website, which is firstname.lastname, glennpoulos.com, G-L-E-N-N-P-O-U-L-O-S.com. And it links to everything, uh, all the socials and Amazon and all the bookstores and all that stuff. And, uh, and I'm, you know, always interested to talk to people and um, compatriots and, you know, uh, associates. And so don't be shy, reach out if you have any questions or comments, and I'd be happy to engage with you on any of the platforms. Awesome, Glenn. Again, thanks so much for being on the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, thank you. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and 
to show you my appreciation. I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.